pride, greed, lust, sloth, envy, wrath, and gluttony. These are the deadly or cardinal sins. David Fincher's second film focuses on these. His first film, Alien 3, did poorly. It was hated by everyone, including Fincher. After that, he decided to quit filmmaking. This psychologically violent script drew him back. Somerset and Mills are very different detectives. Somerset is tired of the dirty city. Mills is excited to work in it. It isn't long until Mills changes, though. The depravity brings him to the brink. On the other hand, Somerset is unaffected. At this point, he expects the worst. Both actors are at their very best. Brad Pitt is impatient and ego-driven. Morgan Freeman is ready for the end. Polar opposites, they play off each other. One more thing. What's in the box? So grab your detective's notebooks, fair listeners. We're on the case, discussing 1995's Seven. Things sound weird when every sentence has exactly seven words. That's why it sounded weird. This is not going to have a happy ending. This is Best Pictures, the podcast where we pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I'm joined, as always, by... I'm Mark Wellington, and anyone who spends a significant amount of time with me finds me disagreeable. Agreed. And I'm Chad Oliver, and it seems that envy is my sin. Become vengeance, Mark. Become wrath. Are you Are you wrath? I can do it. Cool. I can fucking do it. Oh, um, calm down. A note to add gunshot <laughs> noise. So, I, I don't... I. I don't need all that negative energy you boys are Well, you're right the now, one that made envy. us watch this negative, negative movie. So Yeah, Cody, it's you that like made us watch a movie that is completely nihilistic. I don't know that it's nihilistic. Anyway, it's Best Pictures, and we're the Best Picture boys. Um, so the way Best Pictures work is we pick every we pick a movie for every year we've been alive we pick our favorites mark picks his i pick mine chad picks his uh, then we do the academy pick then we do the razzie it's a barrel of bushel of fun it's a barrel of bushels of fun a barrel of it's a bushel bushels. of barrels of fun how many bushels can you fit in a barrel uh, i think three. A bushel is like actually a actual unit of measure hey mark huh you hide it under a bushel <laughs> no i don't Hey, Mark, why don't you hide it under your butt? Anyway. um, (laughs) So this... Um, So we got a podcast to do. This this is a movie where we're going to talk about my favorite movie of 1995. But before we do that, I need to know what my two very good friends have been seeing at our local Megaplex. Well, let's start with you. As you know, Cody, I... um, I work in the uh, the industry. Um, uh huh. The f- which industry is the that? Film industry. Uh, Ooh. At America's oldest studio uh, that went bankrupt eight years ago and is still recovering <laughs> from that. Um, MGM. I work in the unscripted television department, but even me, the unscripted archival boy. Everybody at the company got to see this free screening of our brand new movie, Death Wish, uh, starring Bruce Willis, um, and it 
sucks a lot. It's Did you get really to see bad. his Willie again? No Willie. Um, oh. You got to see him racistly shoot a lot of people. Um, this is a movie where Bruce Willis, uh, to blow off steam, gets a gun and goes to a poor community to wait till someone commits a crime so he can murder them. Um, and mm. it just seems problematic to me. Yeah, it sounds problematic. Yeah, it's, it it's, is. It is. Go ahead, Cody. I mean, this is a year where we got a Punisher show that handles things way more deftly than a like a big budget movie. You know, right. like it. It seems like there could be like a like a dark comedy, like satire kind of thing that could happen with that movie. Is that what was going on there? No. So they there's there's this one sequence in the movie where they make like a lot of jokes about how easy it is to get a gun. Um, and, mm. but, and so like at the time before he started murdering a bunch of poor people, um, it was like, it seemed to be played off as like, as social commentary. And I was like, okay. But then every single like murder is treated as like this triumphant moment. Like he's like, absolutely no, nothing complicated about it. He's just doing the right thing. He's a good guy with a gun making America great again. And by killing all the poor people. Um, it's all, it's directed by Eli Roth, who I don't think I've seen a single movie of his that I've ever enjoyed. I, like, I think I've actively hated any of them that I've seen. He's in Inglorious Bastards, which I like a lot, but um, but yeah, I've Just avoided you his, acting something doesn't mean yeah. I've avoided the movies he's written and directed um, on purpose because I know what he's about, and uh, this was the first one I saw, I think, and I did not like it. It is weird that he was like chosen for this adaptation, mm-hmm. you know, like it's he he's done a lot of horror stuff before and heavy like gore things. I watched he did Knock Knock, which was that Keanu Reeves movie and it sucked also. He's not he's not a very mm-hmm. good director. Like he, he he keeps making movies. I don't know. I will say it, the action happens, was done really well. The violence wasn't over the top, which I kind of felt like going into an Eli Roth movie you'd want like excessive violence like the his audience would want it and like yeah that's his whole bag yeah yeah and so I feel like we didn't even get that but the action was handled well and it was like thrilling at times um you know competent in that way but it was just pretty gross and offensive um and will just reinforce bad ideas in people's heads um do not recommend so don't support the company i work for because we made a bad <laughs> movie mark what did you say um well recently i saw the film annihilation which is by a good writer director named alex garland isn't he great he is great i I've, I've liked um almost everything i've seen that he's written i didn't love sunshine but sunshine's uh, good you idiot i didn't it's like the good. end of sunshine where it nah, turns into a I, monster movie yeah no that's why it's brilliant anyway but keep going um, I mean, th- this and Ex Machina, which was his other movie that he directed uh, and wrote, are both just, like, really great, like, true sci-fi, just, like, thoughtful um, movies about, like, something. And this one especially was, like, really, like, kind of, um, I don't want to say, like, unapproachable, but it was, like, really, like, complex and you never really knew what was going on mm-hmm. thematically, but it seemed to, like you 
at the same time you weren't sure what was going on, well, at the same time, like you also kind of knew what was what he was trying to say. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was like, like I think it's a pretty straightforward. Like I think it's pretty easy. Like yes, it's heady, and there are like odd, strange things that aren't going on. But like everything you're supposed to understand, I feel like you understand. You know, mm-hmm. uh, st- other stuff just happens and you're not supposed to. It's not like there's an answer and you're not smart enough to get it. Like, right. the things you don't get, you're not supposed to. Um, right. I don't know. I I think it's very good. I'm already exhausted by it. Um, it it's going to be, you know, everybody's favorite movie for a while. It really feels like it'll be the Donnie Darko or something like that of... You well, know, this year where people fixate on it and like it's college also the, kids watch it in their dorms. Sort it's of. It's also the first like arty movie that's come out this this year. Yeah, in twenty eighteen. I, mean, I think. I mean, like, Paddington Two is a true art masterpiece, but <laughs> well, obviously, but but like, yeah, I think enough good movies will come out between now and like December that I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it's not even really talked about for Oscars. Of I don't know, boys. 19. I don't think so. It's also think, like so we're recording this the Monday after the Oscars, right? And I'm so right. I think I'm just so exhausted by movies currently, which is a hard place to be going into recording a film podcast. But I'm just like, ugh, movies. Do we have to do it? Can we just not movies for like three months? But I'm just kidding. I would I would be able to handle that for a day, a lot, and then would be very sad yeah. about it. But like, I'm I just mean, like you Ugh. did watch another I, movie today. I uh, did. <laughs> I know I'm a so. monster, but I'm like I don't want to hear anybody say anything about movies. I don't want to hear them say they like them. I don't want to hear them say that they're good. Mm-hmm. But I want people to hear me say that they are good. And, um, and here we are so. by listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, no, I'm 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 gonna flip my attitude right around. I'm gonna flip it on its head. It's just yeah. like and yesterday y- all day. It was like, hey, you know, hey, do you guys know about good movies? Do you guys know about good films? Mm, you know, films. it just got, it just I was love a, a good d- film. <laughs> I don't know if um, if War for Planet of the Apes is a film. So. Uh. Okay. Uh, what have you seen recently? <laughs> I, I, that was just my impression of like everybody becomes a <laughs> armchair like Oscar expert, including was that myself. Your, was that your friend? Um, uh, what was Fuck, his name? What was Brian? his name? Brian. John? Brian. 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 Yeah, Brian. that was my boy Brian. So me and Brian we were like from Brian in a while. I know. So I went to Brian's house to uh, watch the Oscars with him, right? Right. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, I mean, I've seen all these movies. Like, all of them are good except Three Billboards, which is a shit fire. What did Brian think about Three Billboards? He loved it. He said it was an indictment (laughs) of society and Did he say indictment? He did. Um, but then I asked him what it meant, and he was like, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's just a look at it. And I was like, okay, cool, thanks, Brian. And so I was like, Brian, listen, I, I, I love movies. Do you love movies? And he was like, no. And I was like, what the fuck, Brian? <laughs> We're yeah, I'm I thought at Brian your house. was a, I thought Brian yeah. was a movie guy. Well, that that's oh, what I thought. And I was I like, think Brian, I got, I'm I got over- this. I got this one, Cody. I don't uh-huh. think he likes movies. But I'm betting uh-huh. clearly Brian likes films. And oh, that's what he told cinema. me. That's what he told me. And 
And so I was like, oh, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's fine. They, they mean the same thing, you piece of shit. And then he was, and I was like, so what are you, like, what do you want to win the Oscars this year? And he said, the Oscars are a facade. None of these movies are good. I only like experimental films. And I was like, fuck, Brian, another layer. And so then I'm like, so I'm like, okay, but we're watching the ceremony, right? And he's like, yes, we're watching a ceremony. And that motherfucker, he pulls up on YouTube and it's just like, (laughs) It's these roaches, like, fighting each other for, like, 25 minutes. And then he turns... So it just ends. Nothing happens. They just, like, kind of fight each other. Or maybe they follow. Which one won, though? It just ends. Nobody wins. Like, it's about... It's about futility or something. In life, like, sometimes nobody wins, so... And I guess that was his point, was about the futility of, like, war, but also of love, because you didn't know if the roaches were, like, kissing or not. Mm. Mm. And then it just ends, and he looked at me, and he was like, there's your best picture. And so that's why I'm in an odd mood today. So, So Cody, (laughs) was that the movie you saw most recently? (laughs) No. No, uh, I actually watched Red Sparrow. Um, oh, interesting. How was the uh, How was the accent? It's not bad. Like I don't know. It's not bad. Okay. Like who I, cares? I like, also saw Red Sparrow, and yep, for Mark like and half a second, near the end, I I thought to myself, I haven't even noticed whether or not Jennifer Lawrence has had a bad accent or not. Which I guess means it was a good accent. Yeah, yeah like I don't know. It, it's not. Uh, who knows? I don't. I I'm not Russian. Like I don't know if it's good or not. You're um, not rushing to do what? Great joke. Good bits. Um, good bits, guys. Guys. So it's. I a, knew it's, this episode would have good bits. Uh, well, <laughs> wait and see. Um. So I. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. I I want to recommend everybody go see it. It's it's violent. It's hard to watch. It's intense. It's. But it's also really good. It's and real. It is a really weird well thing done. called good. <laughs> um, it's the dir- it's truly bizarre to me that this movie, which was well directed, and tense, and well paced, and well written, and well acted, was directed by the guy who did the last two Hunger Games movies, which last weren't three, last three, yeah, which weren't bad, mind you. No. But I don't remember necessarily thinking they were great. Yeah, I um no, I think it's good. Jennifer Lawrence is a great actress. Like yeah. I think everybody like fell off the J Law train for a while and I think that's dumb. Like, I think that um she spends too much time not acting for us to be like, Oh, she's obnoxious and a bad actress because we don't see her act and we just see her be obnoxious. Right, but I also like I who cares? You know, like, that's kind of where I've landed on it. Like, I don't care yeah. if she, like, trips and then jokes about... Like, at the Oscars last night, she did a great bit with Jodie Foster. It was one of the best bits of the night. But then also, like, was very genuine and, like, told Jodie Foster that she looked up to her. Yeah. Um, Which was well, awesome. Was also, it? Yeah, she looked down because she's taller. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Good, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> She had a um, a really good uh, interview on Mark Maron's podcast recently. So hmm. once you're done listening to this one, go listen to that one. Did nah, he uh, don't. open the gates? No, lock, lock the, the gates. gates. Lock the gates. God, yeah, I should probably listen to more than... <laughs> I have listened to one episode, and that was the Obama episode, where he was like, That's lock the gates. Up. I mean, let the Secret Service in first. <laughs> I don't oh, know. It was a long time ago. Wow. Um, Red Sparrow, it's a good movie. Um... It kind of sucks it came out in March because it could be one where they made like a um, like a dark horse 
like Oscar play mm-hmm. for like J Law or for like Charlotte Rampling or you know somebody like that. Like they could have done a Dark Horse thing. It's not going to be like a shoehorn, well, uh, like a. Well, Infinity War is going to win all the awards, so this year. So it's kind of futile <sighs> to like release anything else. You know? Yeah, that's cute, Chad. That's cute. What to think that it's like the most <laughs> successful franchise ever. It's got to be good, right? Um, so let's talk about seven. <laughs> um, uh, the seventh uh, movie in the Marvel franchise that would be bum, 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 Thor: The Dark World. You want to talk about Thor: The Dark World? Okay. Uh, I mean Loki's pretty good in it. Um, um it's weird that they had action. Christopher Eccleston in it. Yeah, it's kind of like wasted guy, right? in this bad. Yeah, in the in the villain part, it's kind of like a one-off nothing villain. Of, and they oh, like hit oh, him behind Cody, someone. Did you mean Sisevenin? Mm, oh, you got to be more clear, Codes. Yeah, you meant Sisevenin. I want to talk about the movie that I picked for 1995. Right, Sisevenin. <laughs> Sisevenin. No. It Which is David Fincher's Seven. Well, let me scroll back to the and see what this episode's called. The episode's called Sisevenin. I'm typing this into IMDb. I don't see a movie called Seven... Uh, S E oh seven it, samurai. Do you mean like seven it, samurai? So seven in is the only thing I see here. Yeah. Spelled S E seven E N. See what Cody is doing here, Mark, is he's neglecting our very good bit because he promised that this episode would have no bits. And, and what he, what I'm doing is um being afraid that if I stop doing the bit, there's going to be dead air. Right. So, so like, we got to keep talking, uh, obviously. <laughs> So I watched this movie um, in high school. Uh, really liked it then. David mm-hmm. Fincher has quickly, quickly became one of my favorite directors. Um, I think I watched Social Network and then went back and watched stuff like Fight Club and this. Um, he's awesome. Um, I like pretty much every movie that he's done except Benjamin Button. Alien Three is not very you good, like but Benjamin it's like Button? interesting. Nope. I like naps, which is what I do during that movie. <laughs> I need to see Benjamin Button because I think I would like Benjamin Button. It is. 20, it is conservatively it 29 hours long. <laughs> I liked it a lot when I saw it. I don't know. The special effects are great know. in it. It's pr- for sure. It's probably fine. I don't know. When I you, need to rewatch it. Is it also. long enough that you can feel yourself aging during it? Yeah, or, dog. I guess I, that's I kind of the, the point, though, because you can feel yourself aging as you see him not age or unage. I, I don't know. It, it's 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 better than Forrest Gump, but it does have a bit of like Forrest Gump ass shit in it to me, where it's just like, oh, look at this. Uh, he's different than all of us, but he's still stumbling through life and and all these kind of situations. The difference is that, but his, it's probably directed. His- his difference from other people is so much more interesting than Forrest just being a little bit slower. Uh, sure. And then, sure. Like, I <laughs> I don't know. I like, I like I wa- Benjamin Button. I want David Fincher to do the David Fincher thing, which is kind of these dark, crimey and grimy, crimey and grimy movies. Um, I don't think that I would call Social Network grimy. A social network is very grimy. It's not crimey, but it is grimy. Like, ugh. It's, it's a little bit grimy. It's a little bit cr- it's a perfect crimey movie. a river. I don't yeah. Know. There's something um, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> we'll find it one day. Um, anyway, Dave Fincher is a good director. Um, and he directed this movie. So yeah. had you guys seen this movie before? 
I did not know if I had seen it or not. And I figured it out as I was watching the movie that I watched it and fell asleep and and fell asleep during it was because it's because it was a really slow movie starting out. At which it, point it, did you fall asleep? It was after after gluttony after So like 25 minutes. Man. It was after it was, it was like uh after Morgan Freeman was like you got gluttony, you got envy, you got this. These are the sins. I'm out of here. And then he leaves. Was that a good impression? So about it. No. Okay. Did you um, so you fell asleep while he was in the library? Uh I think so, yeah. yeah so like an hour, hour 15 in or something. I, I it is like slow. Like that that is the point. It's a slow burn of an investigation like Which um, is an interesting choice. I think it's a good choice, but like it definitely no, hindered from my enjoying the first hour of the movie. And like It's it's weird, right? Because I I complain about things being slow all the time. But if right. if if it is a crime like investigative thing, I want it to be slow. Like I'm one of the people who like stands by the TV show The Killing and it is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite TV shows ever made and people were mad at that show because they didn't solve the crime until after two seasons of the show. Right. Uh, so, like, I kind of love the slow burn when it comes... As long as they're finding clues and stuff are happening, right? If well, they're see, just, like, sitting... I also love True Detective, which is inarguably super fucking slow. Yeah, and True Detective is something I'd compare it to for sure. Like, tonally, they feel similar. But I feel like in True mm-hmm. Detective, there's so much attention put on each murder in a way that, like, Seven almost, like, ignores the murders. Yeah. So, like... In in seven, it's like they they focus on the first three, and then they're like, oh yeah, and and lust that mm-hmm. like lust is kind of like uh they fucked up her face and made her kill herself. Uh, moving on. Nope, that's pride. Um, yeah, whatever. Pride. Yeah, lust was the one where uh, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get yeah, to it. Yeah, but like I, um, I guess the the point is that like almost murders were like happening and like you could almost like not even notice that a new one had happened in this movie because they like don't really spend a lot of time on the scene there's one scene in particular it's the second murder i think that's it's not envy i don't remember which one the second murder is it's uh it's greed 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 yeah it's greed um where like brad pitt is like at the murder scene like watching something i actually love that though and then like it's the reveal is that he's there and then but then you cut away from it immediately and like you're not spending any yeah, time. I like, love all, I love all of it. But that. you're not spending any time like gathering uh, info and like finding clues. And like when I'm watching well, a detective movie, I want to be like tracking everything. And I, right, I guess because that's not that's not how it works, right? Because right. it's the it's the crime scene people like presenting all the information, and mm-hmm. then Freeman and Pitt are looking at it and trying to figure it out. Anyway, right. Let's just hop into it, right? And because here, here's yeah. the other thing. So M- Morgan Freeman, at one point when they're waiting, looking at the fingerprints, he's like, our job is mm-hmm. to write down what happened and then think about it. Yeah. And yeah, like and- that's not necessarily a compelling thing to watch. Just two people taking notes and then being like, hmm... Right, huh. right, and 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 this movie is structured in a very purposeful way, where it does start off slower. You're you're you get these few murders, and you're like, 
getting the pattern and then it just ramps up because it's ramping up in intensity to the final moment right because it has to be moving it like and the, the, the the details are there and like are horrific and that sort of thing but at the same time they're becoming old hat mm-hmm. to pit and freeman because they know what's coming to a degree right they and don't know exactly what form it'll take but that that's why they like don't spend any time on it because they're just like oh this is check this check that box we need to catch this guy this murder doesn't really help us anyway mm. let's just get into it sure, but sure let's, i let's get in think this movie rules school um so detective william somerset who is morgan freeman is about to retire uh he has a week left before he's done um, seven days which is interesting, right? Because they set up that ticking <laughs> clock, and most movies would like, okay, it sticks by uh, the ticking clock. Seven days, all the murders are going to happen. He will have solved the case by the end of the seven days. The movie's over. But at it, the end of the seven, seven days, days he he's like asked shit. Brad Pitt to spend more time. He's yeah. like, hey, can I hang out for a little bit longer? Yeah, which I love because that's how a case works. You know, like you don't solve it in a certain amount of time. Like... It, it, they set up the ticking clock, and then they're like, oh, well, we haven't figured it out yet. Let's extend it. I don't know. I have to disagree with you there. Jack Bauer solves everything in 24 hours. like, <laughs> And that's like a whole like terrorist crew he brings down. Right, yeah, this right, is right. one guy. Just, one guy. Takes seven days, eight days. <laughs> Take him down. I, I, I just I just really love that little detail that they set up that there's a yeah. clock, and then are like, it's not important. No, that like, is I don't know. I like really it. cool. And it's not like a wasted thing. Like it's used to like show where Morgan Freeman's at as a character. Like he's so mm-hmm. ready to turn mm-hmm. away from the force uh, at the beginning of the movie for the first seven days. And then he's like, no, nah, I'm not done. I'm going to stick around uh, for a little while longer. Um, so it's like using that setup form to like show more about the character. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think um, it kind of like defies what we expect of of that like plot tool but Mm -hmm. still is a useful tool um Mm -hmm. what do you so do you think that we're just gonna jump straight to the end of the story do you think that uh morgan's character is gonna stick on the police force afterward We'll talk about it when we get to it. So okay. before he before he leaves, um, he so so you know William Somerset he's gonna leave, but he's before he he does he's partnered with the somewhat chipper and optimistic David Mills, who's Brad Pitt, um, who has just moved to town with his wife Tracy, who is Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, William and David don't get along to begin with, but as the week plus passes. They get to understand each other. Tracy also gets closer to William. Uh, she confides to him and to no one else that she's pregnant, which is a whole thing. They have a really good scene together, Gwyneth and uh, Morgan Freeman. Well, she later she confides to Kevin Spacey. In a I don't know if she confides. I don't know confi- how he finds out. but Well, I think, I think she's he- begging for the baby's yeah. life. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I said confide, but it was a it was a dark, bad joke that's not funny at all and uh, pretty pretty bad actually got it um so so then so on david's first day basically they start investigating a case that turns out it's inspired by the seven daily deadly sins 
a guy is forced to eat until his stomach burst, representing gluttony. How about yeah. that scene, boys? That's a rough one. It's gross. All of it. It's pretty much like that- you start the movie off on this foot that's like just really gross and hard to watch, which mm-hmm. is pretty much sums up the rest of the movie. It's also like a visually pitch black moment. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. like hard to see what's what's going on in that scene, and also like a lot of this it, Fincher doesn't show you the dead body until like a while into that scene, and he, he does it for all of the scenes, right? For all of all of the uh, the murder scenes. It's like he wants you to understand the point of the scene before you can actually see the dead body. Well, I think it's that, and it's also. Uh, your imagination always makes things worse until you see it, right? Mm -hmm. So once you have... So gluttony is the one you're kind of shown the most, right? That's the one you're shown the most details of and stuff like that. And then the rest of the movie, you see them, but not as much. And it works really well because your imagination, like you've caught on to the fact that it's going to be the seven deadly sins. So in your head, you're like, shit, what is sloth going to look like and stuff like that. So like your imagination is like plays into that terror before you even see it. And And then it ends up being super horrific. And we were talking earlier on the show about Eli Roth being this really showy, gory uh, director. And then David Fincher in this movie that's like about these awful, gory, violent uh, murders is doing like the exact opposite. Like he's showing as little as possible. But like if you look at the murders in Death Wish and you like see a bowling ball land on some dude's head and it splats. That's like (laughs) much less gut wrenching than like the the lust murder uh, in your mm-hmm. head that's just so awful. Um, but it's not like in this like uh, showy or like that's the word like cheap way. It's like in this yeah 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 yeah. yeah. It's better yeah, filmmaking it, it, to do it this way. Well, it's like it's like Fincher understands that what he's showing you is awful and that you you won't want to look at it for very long. Right. That's um, the and he doesn't he doesn't want to make you stare at something that's horrible. So he kind of right. he kind of tells you that it's horrible by showing you the horrible surroundings of it and showing you the characters reactions. Like, right. The end of the movie. We don't even see what is probably one of the most horrible things. Uh, we'll get to it later, I guess. Y- yeah. Like uh, uh, so, some directors would. think it's cool right and so i don't think fincher ever thinks this stuff is cool like i think he thinks it is all terrifying and stuff and that's why the stuff works um so we also see a defense attorney who has a pound of flesh taken from him representing greed um and greed is like spelled out like in blood on the floor also um and then in arguably the scariest scene um there is a child molester who is chained to a bed um and he's not allowed to move uh which is representing sloth but when they go in to like investigate him he isn't dead yet (laughs) Um, he's chained to a bed and is it just like uh an iv drip that's keeping him alive yeah something like that but it's basically starving him and then like he he's not able to like move like which like messes him up and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like a special effect that would have functioned well in like The Walking Dead or a zombie show. The way his like yeah. body has decomposed to that point but he's still mm-hmm. like barely alive and able to just yeah. scream out in pain basically. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he sits up, it's it's so scary mm-hmm. because like you're like, oh, I'm looking at a dead body, and then you just hear like kind of a wheeze as he like moves. And, and what's like, what's cool as well is seeing like so at that point they they suspect that 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 guy is the killer because they had a clue leading to him. So right. an entire SWAT team runs in there, and then mm-hmm. the entire squats the entire SWAT team SWAT I'm saying SWAT, SWAT. Team. It's SWAT the entire team. SWAT team is uh, like terrified by him jumping. Right. Yeah. And so the reason they think he's the guy is because there were fingerprints left at the Greed apartment. Fingerprints that, that said, Help pointed me. it to him. Yeah, exactly. And so we, we're we not going to be able to get in, go into detail about every single clue that is left. Right. But Which every, really not a ton of clues. But every – well, there's always a clue pointing them to the next one essentially. Like not even always. The one, like the, the, um, the pride murder is literally like John Doe calls the police and is like, hey, I killed someone at this apartment. Yeah. Yeah, but that's still a clue. Like, okay, I mean, well, sure. The, the, the idea is they're still being dragged along, is what I mean, right? Like, they're, yeah. they are. He wants the murderer wants them to see this, right? Is it so, after sloth that they figure it out with the library, uh, the book checkouts, or is that after um, lust? I don't remember. Yeah, so it's after no, sloth. It's, it's before it's a, lust. It's after Sloth. So at Sloth, there's pictures and stuff like that of the guy um, who had the Sloth murder, um, indicating that these murders are hyper-planned and that they, like, because this guy had been laying there for a year, right? And so they're realizing, like, who they're dealing with is very calculated and has everything planned. And he's making all these, like, literary references and these references to Seven Deadly Sins and stuff like that. So William is smart and uses library records to discover who had been checking out books related to the sins. But, like, it's not like he's... he's, He has to, like, go through the FBI and, like, bribe Mm -hmm. a guy... Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, so it's not like he's like using a trail of evidence. Um, when they go to the guy's apartment, they're like, "We we don't really have a reason to be here, so anything we find here is can't be used in the court." Yeah, which is another great touch of them like being there, but like kind of not being able to do anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so they figure out that it's somebody named John Doe, um, and they go to his apartment. They almost catch him, but he runs away. Um, yeah, there's a so this decent is chasing. The movie like cranks it up to a hundred percent, and like I'm leaning in here, and I'm like really mm-hmm. on board with this movie. Like when. Uh, John Doe walks up the stairs and is just standing at the other end of the hallway and just immediately pulls a gun on mm-hmm. uh, Mills and uh, Somerset. Somerset. Yeah, Somerset. Yeah. Um, I love that. And then the chase sequence is really good. And then he leaves him alive because he's not like done with him yet. It's uh oh yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and also, you never see his face throughout all of this. Yeah, like which is that is so that like that's a well directed move. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you never see John Doe because as Brad Pitt is chasing him, you wouldn't really be able to. Even and, though he does a composite sketch later, but it doesn't really look like well, who it is. You can tell that like uh, Mills is also like isn't really confident in that sketch like when you see that sketch he's like yeah sure that's him let's move on with the case yeah um so it in uh, so they do go into john doe's apartment Mm -hmm. and they they They, find books of writing uh, they bribe that homeless woman to like 
leave them a tip so that they could break into the apartment and like have a quote lead there, which I thought right. that uh, I like that. It's just like a, they're not playing by the rules. They're like they're right. being scrappy to like catch this guy because like they have to. Right. Um, so so in the apartment, there's all these books full of like insane kind of writing. Right. Like so his manifesto is basically his thoughts on everything like dark. um I don't know. D- uh, scary writings. Like, books full of scary shit. I don't know. Yeah, th- the way he put it was they'd need, like, 50 men to, like, go through it on 24-hour shifts to, like, go through all these creepy notebooks in, like, two months. Like, it's so well, much creepy stuff. <laughs> so many. And, and then so- while, they're, while they're there, John Doe calls them and is like, well, time to ratchet things up since, you, since you're on my trail. And he's mm-hmm. like, we're going we're gonna to speed up the process here. Yeah, and so, like, they're kind of left a clue to the next one. But, what, uh, again, a, a moment that I really love in this is because they sh- they have a ton of evidence, right? None of it mm-hmm. is helpful. Yeah, they don't like, have none any of fingerprints it's helpful. <laughs> yeah. in the entire apartment. Right. Nothing is helpful unless John Doe wants it to be helpful for them. Like, they, they get in his apartment, and it's barely useful. It's um, very much like him control like he is controlling everything that they know. Right, because he like he's a showman. He is like the storyteller. He is making his grand statement to the world of like these crimes should be punished. He is um, he's a showman and in like in my personal opinion, he's the greatest showman. Well, that's a weird take. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, name one name one person that you would call the greatest showman. I mean, other Hugh than Jackman was really good in Logan. I think you could call okay. him the greatest showman. That's a good point. Logan is one of the greatest showmen. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? Also, Hugh Jackman in The Prestige, one yeah. of the greatest oh, showmen. Heck of a showman. Uh, the three of us on this podcast, we're some great showmen. I mm-hmm. would disagree. Um, so well, our, bi- our bits are good. <laughs> Not like that our, one. Our, our film criticisms might be, you know, average, but our bits are good. So next, a sex worker is um, is murdered with a bladed dildo, um, yeah. representing lust. And thankfully, yeah. we didn't like see this. Yeah, <laughs> or, like, thank see God. The outcome of it for real. We just see the guy that that killed her be like completely wrecked by the fact that he was forced at gunpoint to fuck a woman to death. Right, yeah. and th- another moment of like David Fincher like creating terror without showing you every piece of it is we just see a picture of that bladed dildo. Right. You know, like we like we don't even see like the actual object. Mm-hmm. We just like see a picture of it. Um, so yeah, and like the images you get in your own imagination are way more effective and like less offensive than like. If you just showed this scene play out, like that yeah, would be like you should never show never. this scene play out. Yeah, <laughs> that would be uh, a bad choice. Right. Um, um. So the so the next murder is a model whose face had been carved up, like John Doe carved up her face, like peeled her skin off. Yeah, and so then like told her like, hey, you can either call the police and they'll save you, or you can take these pills and commit suicide. Which is what she does, and that's representing the sin of pride. Because mm-hmm. um, she doesn't want anyone to see her like that. Yeah. 
very dark. Um, I mean, not shocking at this point that this movie does dark things. Um, but yeah. that's how it is. So then John Doe, are they going to catch him? Nope. He literally walks into the police office with blood on his hands and says, I'm here to turn myself in. Yeah, and I love the scene that they like don't even notice him at first. He like has to like yell to get their attention. He's like, excuse me, detectives. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then this is where it's notice. this is where it's a big twist too that oh, it's Kevin Spacey because his name is not in the opening credits. Um mm-hmm. you can't really tell that it's him the whole time. Mm-hmm. I guess Kevin Spacey must have been huge a huge actor at this time cuz why else would he, they like hide it really, so much? He really wasn't. I mean, he had been in uh Glengarry, Glen Ross, and Usual Suspects. And that's kind of it. He was like a theater actor before uh, the couple years leading up to this. Interesting. Yeah, I just think it, it. you would think if it's a huge star, obviously hide their name, so it's a shock when they show right. up. But I I, but guess, I, I don't know. It still works. Yeah, maybe they just didn't want any name attached to who the killer was. Because mm-hmm. like you, you, mm-hmm. the whole first hour and a half of the movie, like it's so hidden. Like, you kind of wonder, like, are they ever even going to catch this guy? Um, so if you, like, cast the guy as, like, and Kevin Spacey as John right, Doe, right, somewhere right. in the back of your mind, you know, like, okay, so that eventually we'll know who the killer is. I'm trying to think of an example of a movie recently where, like, I knew who the bad guy was before they even introduced him. And I uh, am struggling. But I feel like I've I've had that happen before where I'm like... Oh yeah, I mean the the bad guy is gonna be this person. So when I see this person, I know the I know they're the I bad mean, guy. Every uh, Captain Marvel America, movie? yeah, Captain America with um uh, Robert Redford, like you know th- th- those well, kind of that, ones. Yeah, yeah. You, you, oh, oh yeah. we're like you didn't know. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I thought you meant that you couldn't think of one where you did know, and I was like, that's like every movie that you know who the bad guy it, is gonna be. It's just it's just not done super often anymore. Right. I I th- I think they kept him. I mean, the closest example probably would be the Star Trek Into Darkness thing, where they were like, Benedict Cumberbatch is not con. We promise he's not con. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's like directly lying. <laughs> right. Well, also um, Matt Damon in Interstellar, like he's kind oh, of. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, like I didn't even know he was in the movie, and then he like kind of turns on. I forgot what that movie was about, but I know he and Matthew McConaughey are fighting in he's, at one point. He's yeah, one Matt, of, Matt Damon's the bad guy. Yeah, he's he's one of the uh, one of the astronauts that they sent out. I'm not going to describe the plot of yeah. Interstellar to you, right? Um, That's so, my favorite movie of 2013. So we'll talk about it then. 14, I hope 15? not. Maybe even it's 15. Not. Why? It's not even though. Okay, good. Um, so. Yeah, I don't think they even have Kevin Spacey in the marketing of this movie. Like, yeah, which I mean, hey, a lot of movies this year didn't either. Um, <laughs> Ooh, a lot of movies did though, unfortunately. Baby well, Driver. and then they fixed it. Yeah, this is our disclaimer. Fuck Kevin Spacey. Um, well, yeah. don't if you're a, a fourteen-year-old. Um, great, but... great joke, Chad. Well, I'm glad to you fair, interjected to do that. To be fair, they didn't want to either. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, it's it's Kevin Spacey does do a good job in this role playing a creep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a bad dude. <laughs> he's a, he plays a bad dude, and guess what? In real life, he's a Somehow bad dude. Somehow he was able to pull off being a bad dude. I don't know how right. he did it. 
<laughs> he he's just really method, and he got really into the character, and then stayed in the character. Mm. Um, and was in the character for like the forty years prior to this role too. Mm-hmm. He was like, and the twenty years up. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, I don't he like is, Kevin Spacey. N- no, he is good in this movie. Uh, but everybody in this movie is good, even Gwyneth Paltrow, who like doesn't necessarily have a ton to do. She still is good, and the movie doesn't work if she wasn't as good. Yeah, um, her scene alone with Morgan Freeman is like really good. Out of both, right. I I didn't love that scene, but I think a lot of it is because it feels so out of place in the movie. Because it's like the rest of the movie is so dark, and that movie is just like them talking in a diner. Because she is like kind of um separate from the darkness it's kind of to make the ending sadder is like its purpose i guess but yeah no i think it works because we have those moments of them trying to find normalcy that is the whole brad pitt being optimistic and morgan freeman morgan freeman being reluctantly optimistic because that uh, the scene when they're all like when uh, morgan freeman comes over to have dinner at their house is another Mm -hmm. moment of that like they all laugh together about the subway it's a nice yeah. moment. I like that moment. Yeah, it's very good. So John Doe turns himself in. There's blood all, all over his hands because he had been cutting off his fingerprints, which is why they could never find any. Does this work, yes or no? What, him cutting off his fingerprints? That seems like it wouldn't work, really, but he I guess if he... cuts them off sh- frequently. Yeah, and I guess God. he puts Band-Aids over the wounds. Yeah. Ah, so every time he grows new skin, he cuts it off. Yeah. That's unreal. Also, he had the blood of the previous victim and then a third person's blood that was not yes. identified in the system. Which is how they find... Oh, shit. I'm just realizing whose blood that was. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, whose blood was it? Whose blood was it? So... John Doe promises to confess to the murderers if they follow his list of demands, right? So he's like, you have to do these things. I will confess to it. If not, he's going to plead insanity, which means he wouldn't be punished as much. Right. Um, and so his, so his demands are... He's claiming that there's going to be two more dead bodies. Um, which, if you're doing the math at home, that is correct. <laughs> like, he's committed five murders. He's got to hit the that makes seven. the magic number. Yeah. He's got to hit seven. Um, his lawyer is played by Richard Schiff. I'm just going to recognize a West Wing actor. Cool. <laughs> Mark with our West Wing update. Um, so his demand essentially is just to take William and David to the location of the next murder. Um, so he's like, you guys have to come with me. Um, and that's that's when I'll confess to everything. So they go out to a remote location. It's kind of like in a desert thing. Um, it's, it's just like mm-hmm. it's just in like a field in upstate New York, right? Like by uh, some power lines. God, and it's so well shot. Um, and then there's like SWAT teams and stuff like following them, but they're still kind of like on their own. So they take John Doe out. David leads them because he's like, "Oh, come over here. This is where it is." But then so like deliver- the very middle of the field. Right, and then a delivery truck starts pulling up, and Morgan Freeman's like, "Uh, what the fuck?" And so he runs over <laughs> there, and it, uh, like, it's like, stop, stop, stop! Searches the guy, yeah. and he's like, "I was just told to deliver a package at a particular time, and so I'm seven here o'clock." And- oh, that's <gasps> true. Um, and so um, then, and yeah, this whole time, 
Kevin Spacey's John Doe is just acting like this is all according to plan. He's like, and there we go, and there he goes, and like he's just like calling it out as it's happening. Like, yeah, this is just like I planned. Right, and so, uh, so Morgan Freeman opens the box, is horrified by what he sees. Right. So what? He's what do in- you guys think is in the box? Um, I'm turning my microphone off for the next five minutes of this very bad bit. Go ahead. It's. Uh, it's it's tough to say because we never see. Um, it's hard to really get perspective into what the director wants to be in the box because it's never right. shown. I think it's open ended. It I really think it's is like a nod to Quentin Tarantino and the briefcase mm. in Pulp Fiction. Okay, Another... fuck off. I think I'm out. I think that shut up. Capitalism Both of you in the shut box. the fuck up. So I think um, that Vincent's soul in, is in the box. In Pulp Fiction, I think Gwyneth Paltrow's head is in the briefcase for sure. For sure. Oh, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I like that. I think that that's. I think that clear. I think that what's in the box at the end of the day is meaningless, and it's the box that's important. Right. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And like you know, it's it's like this. Uh, <laughs> Cody, you look exhausted. Uh, Cody is putting I his am. head in a box. Yeah. I I'm about to no. The, it's very important what's in the box. No, it's like it's <laughs> the most important thing. It's Vince not open ended. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Spacey is literally like um your wife. I put your wife's head in this box. <laughs> yeah, he, he explains it. We just no, don't yeah. fucking see it. Um so. So that's what's in the box. Brad, uh, Brad Pitt is yelling what's in the box. F- it ha- it's funny. It's a meme now. It's really good in the movie. It is. Uh, out like, of context, it seems silly, but it is very good within the movie. Honestly, uh, like I've, I've seen this scene so many times out of context, and this was the first time I had seen it within the context of the movie. And like... I didn't. E- it didn't even seem like he said what's in the box that much in the movie. No. Like, no. It felt not really. Pretty natural and well played right i think and a lot of what plays into it as well is that like out of context this camera is doing this weird thing where it's kind of like swirling around and you're like disoriented mm. which like out of context you're like i can't tell what's going on kind of but in right. context you're like oh i can't tell what's going on and no one can either yeah right. uh, it, it, it's m- meant to be His the kind world of like is shattering yeah. yeah yeah um because as he's asking that he knows the answer yeah. And like, Kevin Spacey like is kind, kind of, of taunting him by saying, like, I went to your house and played husband and I wanted to know what it was like to have a normal li- normal life and a normal wife. And your wife didn't want me to. She begged for mercy and she begged for the child inside of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. So he made envy his sin and he wanted uh, Brad Pitt's sin to be wrath. Yeah, so he, he, he goes David into killing him. So mm-hmm. it completes the cycle of murder. Um, because David commits wrath. Um, and then the rest of the police like converge as soon as the gunshot, um, happens. Another brilliant move by Fincher. You hear the gunshot. It's completely panned out. You might as well be seeing nothing. Well, that's originally how the movie ended. Yeah, but 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 I I still think it's so good that it's not like a zoom in on the gun on the back of the head. You more see the shot, see Morgan Freeman's face, and then it's completely zoomed out, and so they kind of look like specks, like on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's 
very well done. Um, so the police converge, all the like SWAT people who have been like surrounding him, and they take David into custody. You see him in the back of the cop car later, and then um, Morgan Freeman basically says, "I'll stick around." So he's like extending his stay even more, and then it ends with a quote um, that said, "In it, or Ernest Hemingway once wrote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for." I agree with the second part. And then it cuts to black. And I think that is a, that ending rules. It's so good. Very good ending. Yeah, that's a really great final line because Morgan Freeman the whole time had been like, I'm tired of living, tired of being a police officer in this dumbass city where everything is so like brutal. He tells a story about someone he like saw some, or he read about someone who just like got their eyes stabbed out in a robbery. And mm-hmm. he's like, this city is full of just like meaningless crime and I hate it. Um, and at the end he's like, yeah, I hate all of the crime in the city, but it's, it's worth fighting to save. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that sentiment is so good. It's like the world sucks. So you can either like sit and wallow in it and become part of the darkness yourself or yes, it sucks, but I'm, it is still worth fighting for. It is well, worth still trying to combat that. Yeah. But th- there's a third option. There's, there's just the run away from it and live on a farm, which is like kind of what Morgan Freeman was wanting to do. So you can either like fully buy into it and like become Kevin Spacey, be the darkness. You could run away yeah. from it or you can like just do your part to like try to fight for this world and make it a better place. And that's where R- Morgan Freeman sort of ended up. Right, and what's interesting is, like, John Doe, in his way, like, what he claims, at least, was he also was fighting against the darkness. Like, he was pointing out the sin in the world, yeah, right? right? Like, we obviously know that's not what he's doing. He's being an evil, vile, like, murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his mind, what he is doing is shining a light on things. Um, right. Ugh creepy it's a it's an unsettling movie right the way it's shot the whole time it is like dark and brooding and well not brooding actually but it is like dark and grimy and like you just have a sense of dread the whole time it like you can you can feel the the griminess of the city that morgan freeman hates so much like right he's constantly talking about how disgusting the town is and how he wants to move out and get to the country and, like, mm. from the very beginning, you can, like, f- you get it. You're like, I also mm. want to get out of this city. Yeah, which is why yeah. I fell asleep the first time, because I wanted to get out. <laughs> um, I think all the performances in this are incredible. Um, like, Do, do, this... we, want to, do we want to talk about the performances that could have been? Sure. Oh, God. Yeah, let's because... do it. But real quick, let's, let's talk about the ones that were. Um, I think this may be one of Brad Pitt's best roles um he's good in a lot of stuff but i think like he's very good in this i would say it's one of morgan freeman's best roles i Um, agree with that for sure brad pitt has had better sure i i I think he's so good in this though because he starts he starts kind of playing the old guy um so this is him when he's playing the i mean I would think no, at this I think, time. I think Brad Pitt is, I mean, when I think of Brad Pitt, I think of him as like the young guy who is like gung-ho and like egotistical and impatient, which is like this movie entirely. Like this movie mm-hmm. and Fight Club combined are Brad Pitt's type to me. 
See, I don't think that's but where he's at right now. But then he can also do like Bad Dad and Tree of Life, or just like Airhead and Burn After Reading. Like he's a very good actor who can like yeah. do a lot. But I think this is like the archetype I think of when I think of Brad Pitt is like this kind of like cocky gung ho uh, young guy. Now, could you see Denzel Washington playing this character? Hold up. Mm. I have not think, seen... Think 90s Denzel Washington, more, more importantly. Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen enough of 90s Denzel to really give an answer to this. Um, I can really only picture him in, like, Remember the Titans, which is a very different role. But I could still see him pulling off similar... It'd be interesting. I'd like to see it. It was Denzel in Philadelphia, right? I never yes. saw Philadelphia. I could kind of yes, see it, it. I could see it, yeah. Not as good as, as Brad Pitt. It would be a very no, different I role, think so. I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, here's, yeah. here's our other option. And get ready for this one, because it's a good one. Sylvester Stallone. No, it's not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually all a these, very all bad these one. people are dying from seven deadly sins. And I don't think that works as well, right? Because he's... Because Sylvester Stallone is much older at this time. Like, uh, Brad Pitt's very young, which is part of why that performance works. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about Morgan Freeman in that role. Yeah. I think that, like, so Morgan Freeman's... He kind of nails the idea of, like, an old man who is, like, tired of it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, like, carries this wisdom around. Like, he's gone through it. Like, he's, like... He's arrived at this worldview through, like, not just, like, being cynical, but through, like, lots of experience. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's just this tired but, like, wise man. Has Morgan Freeman ever played, like, a stupid person? No. No. Not that I know of. I don't think he could. No, he's he has too much gravitas. I mean, yeah. the plan in Wanted is pretty dumb, but whatever <laughs> who was um, gonna play him mark uh this role was written for william hurt huh hurt hurt maybe maybe hurt also seems tired all the time yeah um, um al pacino also was considered nope, for the role. he wasn't al pacino probably was <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm sorry you do that every time with al pacino um, uh, that, I don't think that would have worked. He's like too tough guy. He wouldn't be like the, the gentle Morgan Freeman, wise old man. Yeah, I think it, I think it's the gentleness, the like niceness of Morgan Freeman that works because mm-hmm. like Al Pacino can definitely do tired, exhausted cop. Because I don't know if you boys yeah. have seen Insomnia, but you should because it rules, uh-huh. and he's so good in that. Um, playing a his, tired, exhausted cop. His tired cop, though, is just going to be more, like, aggressive. Oh, no, it is. And that's yeah. how he is in Insomnia. He, like, is so, like, mm. like intense. Um, anybody else, I Mark? I like that um, intensity coming out of, like, the cocky young guy and not so much out of the tired, uh, mm-hmm. just, like, ready-to-give-up guy. But Right. So I don't have another actor possibility, but I have a director possibility. This was almost directed by someone who directed one of the other movies we watched for this podcast. Oh, God. Any uh, guesses? Hold on. I'm trying to think. Not Spielberg. Um, it's not Mm-mm. Spielberg. It's not Mm-mm. Linklater. Mm-mm. It's not Kevin Smith. Mm-mm. It's Was it 
Tarantino? No. Oh, uh, I doubt will, it's the guys from Lion King. Honestly, if you go through movie by movie, it will be the last one. Like, the one that you will think about last. Oh. Um, Wait, um, is this from the Christmas special? It was from the Christmas special. John Favreau? Uh, no. No, it would have been the uh, Bob Clark. No. Who directed the Jeremy other- Chechik directed Christmas Vacation. Oh, cool. shit, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Can you... I don't know anything else that he's directed, but um, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Just like I mean, they're trying to, like, you know, like, investigate a crime scene and then clumsy Brad Pitt, like, knocks over, <laughs> like, the body and... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, David Fincher is one of the best directors, period. Um, he's the right choice for this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here's an interesting story about how he agreed to to direct this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. They view original script for this movie ended the way that this one does, and then they the the studio forced him to change the script to have a different ending than the box ending. Um, Then they were sending scripts out to directors, and they sent David Fincher the wrong script on accident. The, they sent him the original script that had this ending, and he was like, yeah, I'll do this movie, but you have to keep that ending in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah, I um, feel like I've heard that story. That's awesome. And then, and then Brad Pitt was like, oh, yeah, if this ending's not in, not in there, I'm not in there. Um, so I mean, they kind of strung, the right strung on their way to the ending. It's a, it's yeah. a very good ending. What was the alternate ending? I have no idea. I feel like I've seen it before. I don't remember either. But Morgan yeah, like, Freeman was the killer the whole time. Wikipedia says that it's a more traditional detective thriller with like action-oriented elements. Mm. So like probably like a big fight scene at the end or some shit. Bad. Like the reason this movie <laughs> works to me is because it's the investigation. Because the huge moment is kind of just a conversation, and then the dude's dead. There isn't like. The chase scene is really our only action scene mm-hmm. in the whole movie. Um, and I think all good. that. Yeah, I think all of that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you guys think happens to David at the end? Does he go to prison? I mean, probably. He just, yeah, just shoot I mean, a he guy. Just but like, I don't know. A, a handcuffed person in cold blood. So, uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you understand where he's coming from. And there's like a part of me watching that feels like I might do the same thing, but like Mm -hmm. it's a a murder. He did a murder. He he did a murder. Um, Um, But to be fair, if he did the murder, then um, Kevin Spacey only did three, only did six murders. True. Interesting. Um, And a lot of those murders were just him forcing people to kill themselves. Yeah, true. Yeah. 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 Like uh, that was kind of his MO. Um, one thing we didn't talk about at all because it has no plot significance really is the opening title sequence, um, yeah. which may be the greatest opening title sequence of all time um, as far as like establishing exactly what the tone of the movie is going to be. I don't even know how to really describe what's happening. It's like he's cutting out words from like Bibles so, and other books mm, and so- like... The story behind that intro sequence is that originally the sequence was going to be um, Somerset like going out to the country and buying a house and then coming back to the city while the credits were happening. And then they were huh. like, well, we don't ever see the killer and we want him to have more of like a presence in the movie so that you know 
that, uh, like, there is a mastermind who is pure evil through the whole thing. Right, Um, and so I guess the idea is that he is, like, we are seeing John Doe do all of his, like, prep stuff. Yeah, he's building those books that they find in this house. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he's being a real creep. And, like, yeah. the music is real good and real creepy. It's a it's a remix that. of a Nine Inch Nails song, um, which, which is get, interesting uh, because Trent, yeah, Trent Reznor eventually, like, becomes a collaborator with Fincher in most of his recent movies. Yeah, he kind of becomes Fincher's, like, go-to guy. Uh, to do the scores yeah that that's really cool um it's also really cool how at the end of the movie the final credits they go the opposite direction yeah so so instead of like from so a normal credits like move down and yeah. these credits move up which like for a second your brain has to like stop and try and figure out what's going on. You know mm-hmm. it's wrong, mm-hmm. but you like don't quite know why. Yeah. And it's not like it's they're going backwards. from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen. And it like the first thing it says is like cast in order of appearance and like it, it threw me off. I was like wait a minute. Morgan Fr- wait. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's bizarre. So good. Um. All right. So, what are y'all's general thoughts about this movie? We we we've talked about it um a lot, but do you guys like this movie? Big fans? Too spooky for you? I want to hear Chad's hot thought first because he yeah. he told us that he intentionally did not rank it on Letterboxd so that we wouldn't know his thoughts. Oh well. I mean, now you're just setting me up for like more than I'm gonna deliver on. That was just me being dumb because I forgot to load it on Letterboxd. But oh well, um, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. But no, I like it a lot. I'll probably rate it like four and a half stars. Um, it's a very good movie. Uh, I think like a lot of the directing choices are really effective. Um, at the beginning of the movie, and I think this is why I fell asleep at first, it's like a little puzzling. Like I think I had certain expectations going into a detective movie that like, okay, we're going to be closely following each case. We're going to have like there's been a murder and then they're like okay now we're driving to the murder and then there's all this time spent at the murder and they're like getting clues and they're like wait what's this it looks like he's pointing at something at the wall let's get samples and we'll run it in the lab and like in your head you're sort of able to follow things i had these expectations because that's what i've seen before and i think that was Mm -hmm. frustrating on my first viewing where i fell asleep but if i had stuck with it i would have realized like okay that's there on purpose because it wants to be a different kind of detective movie right like we mm-hmm. we aren't getting these like uh yummy little candies of like little uh nuggets along the way of like little little nice wrap them up clues because that's not what would actually happen in a real investigation especially this one where he's so good at covering his tracks and only giving the information that he wants that like Mm -hmm. they're not getting any clues neither is the audience it makes a lot of sense i think a lot of those choices are really good um and effective um all in all it's kind of a downer um kind of kind of yeah it's it's definitely a downer which it which it's it's trying to be um, right and yeah it's effective in that it's just not always my cup of tea to be that like disturbed uh in a movie sometimes it is sometimes not. what so so it, like for me 
this is a movie like a lot of detective stories or whatever like they're good for their first watch because you see the magic trick of it being revealed in the end and it's like Mm -hmm. oh awesome that sort of thing but you don't really want to like watch it again um this is a movie that works really really well on rewatches for me like it holds up no matter how many times you watch it um because the like the reveal is awesome and great, but the rest of the movie works f- super well. You know, like it's not just all dependent on that twist. And then once you know it, it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And the reveal but, isn't like a traditional reveal at all. Cause it's not like the puzzle pieces are finally coming together. It's just like, okay, it's the time of the movie now where Kevin Spacey comes out and says, it's me. I'm the bad guy. Lock me up. Right. So it's like, right. it just happens. It's not like this magical putting together that only works. Yeah. Once. It's, it's like, like you, a subversion of that. You, you knew, like, it would be like if you were solving a puzzle and all the pieces were, like, brown, and you put them all together, and then once you put the last piece in place, like, the picture showed up. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you, you know how everything fits together, and you know where it's going. You just don't know who is doing it. Right. Mm. And um, so, so, like, I, I don't know, like, it, other movies I've picked for this show, like it's been Lion King, it's bright, it's animation, which is like, is a thing I love or uh-huh. Spielberg movies, which are all like hope filled and like, you know, um, you know, like Jurassic Park, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. popcorn, big movies. That's definitely a part of things I love. Right. But the other flip side of stuff that I love just as equally and just as much that we haven't gotten to in the podcast yet, but you boys definitely know about me is, I also love horror a ton and then crime thrillers, true crime stuff. I'm also obsessed with, which like, I don't know that either one of you boys are as much. Um, so another, and also David Fincher is one of my favorite directors. So, uh, he's no Spielberg, but I like him. Um, so in other words, this movie is for me, Mark, what are your kind of thoughts on it? Um, so I don't always watch, um, before the podcast, I don't always watch the movie twice. Um, yeah, but this this time I like had two hours to kill before while I was writing and doing research for this movie directly before we recorded, mm-hmm. and I was really glad that I could watch it twice and kind of like the first time I was focused on like what was happening, and then the second time I was able to focus more on like how the characters like developed and the ways that they contrasted against each other, which I think was really cool to see, like because. Brad Pitt starts as this like fresh guy who thinks that he can like fix the fix the city and he he thinks it'll be fun to like live in the big city and solve the big crimes. Mm-hmm. Um like the the way that he like sits in that like DA's office after she he gets killed and he's like that's right I got the big case I can do this. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But like over time he like gets broken down all the way to the point where he's like killing someone because he like is so disturbed by the violence of the city. Um, so it's cool. It was cool to be able to actually sit, like be able to, instead of focusing on the actual case itself to look at the characters and see how the case is affecting the characters. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't able to see the first time I watched it a week before. Right. And this is a, like, 
nerdy ass comic book reference um but i'm sure some of our listeners will appreciate it but this movie definitely has a similar like thought process as like the killing joke does right the batman uh short story or yeah it's a short story i would say by alan moore where the whole idea is one bad day is enough to turn somebody that that is also kind of joker's plan in the dark knight with harvey dent um and that i mean that's kind of what kevin spacey is doing here to brad pitt he's playing the joker role to the batman of like one bad day is enough to make a good man turn yeah he is in he's inciting wrath um Mm. that's he's he's trying to drill out the sin in uh brad pitt which is interesting yeah um, Brad Pitt it... never played Batman. He he's of the age where like he could have, <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah, who else hasn't played Batman? Let's <laughs> let's go on a list of all the people who haven't played Batman. Um, well, we uh, can start with Morgan Freeman. Uh-huh. Uh, he he played, played someone that knew Batman. Yeah, he did. He was in Batman, which is like good enough. We're not gonna do this. Kevin, um, I'm actually out. Played Batman. Thank I, God. Oh, okay. There's another. I think we're done, though. Yeah. I think that's all the people that didn't play Batman. Yeah. I played yeah, Batman. Only those three. Yeah. We did it, guys. Uh, you you either. Um, oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Sorry. You you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become Batman. That's yeah. The quote, right? That's what they say. <laughs> um, so, okay, one day so Brad let's, Pitt will be Batman. Yes, in some form or another. Um, or a Joker. You will either be a, in a Joker standalone movie or <laughs> in a Batman movie. Um, okay, so let's vote. Last uh, last episode, we determined that Mark's pick for 1995. I'm forgetting what That's miniseries we're yes. on. Um, 1995, um, before Sunrise was the best movie. Um, but now we have to pit it against seven. So I will let Chad go first. Mm and vote what movie he thinks should be the best picture of 1995. So, Cody, I made reference in the past, I think, on air, uh, that I was going to sabotage your movie because you've won the past two years. And Yes, I you pr- did. I promise that's not what's happening here. Um, yes. I like Seven a lot. I think it's a very good movie. Um, but, like, watching Before Sunrise, it, like, quickly went to like my top five movies of all time like it's just a very special movie to me already uh and i can't wait to watch the rest of the trilogy it's just like the didn't you best. say that you're gonna do that after we recorded the last one i yeah, said i was going to didn't. and i lied because i'm a liar <laughs> uh looks like lying is my sin but it's not a deadly sin so kevin spacey can't get me um Dang, yeah good what was i saying before sunrise is really good it's like the best dialogue i've ever seen in a movie the quickest and best characterization i've probably ever seen some of the best performances just wonderful like full scenes that are just like on a plot standpoint nothing but i can't like look away from it i got i gotta give it to that movie i love before sunrise a lot okay i will go next um and yeah chad i i knew that vote was coming um could tell that from last uh week I am going to go with seven, and like Chad, I'm going to do it with a caveat of, I promise I'm not always going to pick my movie. (laughs) Um, There's going to be several years where I do, and it probably will continue for at least one more year, but um, it 
I, I, I love Seven. I love these kind of hard-boiled, like, detective stories. I love these, like, intense thrillers. I love David Fincher. Um, I like his whole bag. Like, I like everything, like, he kind of does. Um, and the way that he tells stories and how masterfully he tells them like a way more restrained than his like so so he kind of he he creates a lot of things within genre films because they are very genre they're Mm -hmm. detective they're horror that sort of thing um even more recent ones like gone girl they are very genre um but what he does within those is not falling to the trappings of genre and they they kind of elevate um those kind of things so uh i love seven i've seen it probably four or five times and i'm not somebody who rewatches movies um this is just a good kind of spooky thriller i mean it's not really spooky but it, it, it's horrific um and it's, it's a good it's well done theory there's some, there's some it's got a moment of spooky some... yeah uh, there's one like jump scare but throughout it's disturbing and spooky uh, th- there's no like spooky has to be a little bit cute too, and there's no cute things in this. Mm, okay, I disagree that spooky has to be cute, but whatever. Okay, the spooky is goosebumps, scary is like conjuring. All right, anyway, whatever. I I would know. I am in charge of all things spooky. Mark, <laughs> so it's what's me. your vote? <laughs> um, I think uh, that this is a great movie. Um. I mean, I David Fincher, of course, is one of the one of the best directors, I think, of the past twenty years. Um, mm-hmm. Possibly, like, I don't know, top twenty directors of all time, maybe in my opinion. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, it's that's hard to choose. Anyway, uh, I think that like this is definitely an impressive beginning of a career. I think, especially if you don't count Alien Three, which had a lot of production issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like a really impressive. Um, early film to make. Uh, but I think that... I mean, I don't really have anything negative to say about this movie other than the fact that it isn't before Sunrise, which I have, like... <laughs> s- since I watched it last, it has, like, just stuck in my mind. Just, like, I've spent, like, hours the, the past couple weeks just, like, thinking about, like, well, would I go back after six months? Like, mm-hmm. that question has just been, like, ringing in my mind. Um, That's so weird. You guys are weird. <laughs> like it oh, stuck with you guys for so being much. Sappy romantics. Cody. I'm very much a sappy romantic, and I watched that movie. Thought it was very good. Have not thought about it a single second since. I'm glad that I've watched it. It is has not made the impact on me that it has to, for you guys. I wish well, it did. Um, it didn't. That's why there are three of us here to outvote Cody because I'm voting for uh, Before Sunrise. Yay, Richie Links. Richie Links. Sure. I will sincerely be pissed off if the result of this entire podcast, though, is a Richard Linklater wins because you throw three sad white boys in a podcast and tell them to pick the movie. <laughs> and if the result is Richard Linklater, like, we well, fucking failed. I'm glad it's this and not, like, Boyhood or Dazed and Confused or even Everybody Wants Some. Like, if it's going to be any Richie Link's movie, like, it's the love story that's, like, influenced by a woman strongly. So... It's fine. Two women, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, we'll see. Um, it's okay. the best movie of our lifetime. I've already decided. <laughs> yeah, you have, which is the problem. No, like, um, I, okay. I haven't. But, like, so far, it's mm. going to be hard for it to beat Die Hard, or hard for Die Hard with a vengeance to beat it. So uh, I'll revisit it with an open mind, but 
I mean, I'm thinking Before Sunrise might be the best. Well, this is uh, the part where we normally plug when Cody isn't mad. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm fine with I'm fine with Seven losing. I just can see where this podcast is going. Um, okay, so where can people find you guys? Uh, you can find me at Chad A. Oliver across all social media platforms, including the new Vero. Actually, can you find me there? I think it's just at I think it's just Chad Oliver in my name there. But I don't uh, know if you can actually you, search for people on Vero. Yeah, it's hard to find people on there. The idea is people would have your phone number. It's meant to be actual uh, connections. Well, you're if verified. you're already my friend, uh, add me on Vero or join Vero, I guess, because there's like six people on there right now. We are half of them. We you are can find me on Vero if you really want to. I'm basically done with Vero at this point. It was a good run. We had maybe <laughs> a day or two. Um, you can find me on Twitter where I'm actually doing stuff at Wallington Mark. Um, you can find me on Facebook where I changed my profile picture after two years, maybe three. Um, or you can find me on Letterboxd at Mark0014. I occasionally write for this website called Talk Film Society. Um, but most of my time recently has been with the Chattanooga Film Festival. Uh, so if you are in the area for that, hit me up and I will be there working my ass off. You can find me if you try hard enough, but I would much rather you find the show on Facebook, uh, search best pictures uh podcast facebook group um we've had a lot of discussions there recently about the oscars about memories of going to see movies with people it's a good place to be um you can weigh in um on what we talk about on the show there um you can tell us if we're wrong you can tell us if we're right um all kinds of stuff there i would also please implore you to follow us on twitter at we pick picks um i work very hard to come up with shit every week to promote so i'd love for uh, people to a, say that there's a good one today cody you did a good job i don't even remember what it was it's been a long day um but you can find it by searching back through those tweets it is like i said at we pick picks i also would really love for people to leave us a five-star rating on itunes i know it's it can seem kind of gross when podcasts ask for that but it really does help um we're very fortunate to have the people we have listen right now and listen consistently but we definitely want this show to grow and the only way that it's going to grow is if people can find it and if you guys tell people about it um and that includes um adding them to that facebook group Group. If we get to a certain number of um, people within the Facebook group, we're going to allow um, a lucky winner to make us watch a movie. So that's a good reason to become a part of it. Um, I think that's it for um, plug kind of stuff. If you want to uh, read me, read me. If you want to read what I wrote about um, a bunch of movies and pop culture stuff you can find that at um low dash fi pop culture dot tumblr dot com chad also writes there mark will eventually um Uh, so i think that's pretty soon there's gonna be a couple new marvel blogs this week because i'm behind if i'm gonna get to infinity war in time so yep i think disney was intentionally intentionally trying to fuck you up by moving the movie a week forward yeah they saw like this tumblr blog and they were like you know what nah this guy he's gonna have to work harder (laughs) uh yeah (laughs) 
that's what happened. <laughs> yep, so, that's exactly uh, what they did. Hey, uh, Cody. Yep. What's the best movie of 1995? For 1995 and 1995 only, the uh, best movie is Before Sunrise. Cool. Hey, cool. Mark, what is the best movie of 1995? Um, For 1995 and maybe even some years surrounding it, it's Best Sunrise. Hey, Chad. Nope. Did hey, you say best Mark, that's sunrise? not a fucking movie. We so did the Before Sunrise bit last podcast. That's, I'm and I sorry. made the very good joke that The Lion King had the best sunrise. Um, it was a very good joke. It was a good joke. And now I got to make it um, again, so thank you. I meant before sunrise, but Chad, in, in your yeah. opinion, what is the best movie of 1995? Obviously, before sunrise. Cool. Oh, shit. There's more <laughs> Usually, <to it>. you're <laughs> last, so it's like I threw things Yeah, off. it really messed me up. Yeah. Um, okay, um, thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, it's impressive to see a man feeding off his emotions. See you next episode. Bye. Yippee-ki-yay, movie watchers. Next week on the show, we're talking about Die Hard with a Vengeance, my pick for the best movie of 1995. You can stream it on Max Go, but I, you probably don't have that. So uh, you can rent it from Amazon or iTunes or just buy the DVD box set like me because Die Hard is the greatest action series of cinema. That is a uh, bad claim to make when two of them are actually trash movies. Yeah, okay, so five is bad. Two is horrible. Uh, two is okay, actually sorry. fine. Two is bad. Five is horrible. Three is really good. Four is okay. <laughs> but it's the best action uh, series of our life. Um, okay, that's all I have to say. I guess we should end the podcast. <laughs>